You're listening to Long Gospel Bible Study Wednesday on this July the 20th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be continuing our study of Proverbs. You know, when you go through the seminary, it's not possible to have courses on every book of the Bible. Uh, One Bible book I did not have a course on when I was at the seminary in the regular four years was the book of Revelation. I really didn't know how to preach that. But then I had a graduate course, and Lewis Brighton had written a wonderful book on Revelation and I got to understand it in ways that I had never imagined before. Well, this is similar to the book of Proverbs. I never had done a study on the book of Proverbs at the seminary. Now we read Proverbs, but as I've been trying to make a point, we need to be able to translate the Bible. And what I mean by that is not knowing the Greek and the Hebrew, although that's very helpful for a pastor. You really can't do proper sermons without knowing the Greek and Hebrew. But what I mean by that is the English. The English says things that people simply do not understand. And I have a lot of fun in doing sermons because I often begin with a question that people get wrong. In other words, the answer that they have is the wrong answer. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on one of the readings we had recently. But what we're looking at is Proverbs chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. Now, this is something I was somewhat unaware of, that the book of Proverbs begins with the Proverbs of Solomon, and that's in chapter 1, verse 1. But now in chapter 10, verse 1, it begins the same way, the Proverbs of Solomon. Now, what the first nine chapters of Proverbs were about, there were messages from Solomon to his son. And then there were poems about wisdom. And we found out that wisdom is none other than Jesus Christ. So it's very well organized, those first nine chapters. They have themes that are obvious, and you can understand them. But beginning in chapter 10, and this is interesting, It goes from chapter 10, verse 1, through chapter 22, verse 16, where the Proverbs of Solomon are rarely longer than two verses. They're just a whole bunch of sayings from Solomon. Now, a lot of times, the various passages do have a theme. For example, Today we're looking at chapter 10, 1 to 5, and this is introduction to righteousness. Introduction to righteousness. Now, what is that talking about? Well, you have to read verse 1 to understand. 
it says the Proverbs of Solomon, and then he has two statements in verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that a wise son is somebody who thinks logically, is reasonable, has a high IQ, and therefore his father is very glad because he's successful in business and always accomplishes what he says he's going to do. Whereas a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Well, that's not what is talked about by wise son and foolish son. You really need to go back to the previous nine chapters because the term wise and foolish actually refer to something else in the book of Proverbs. We found out in one of the poems about wisdom that there are two women, so to speak, that rule our lives. The one is wisdom, and the reason wisdom is in the feminine is because the noun is in the feminine, but it refers to Jesus Christ. And therefore, a wise person is one who has faith, namely trusting in the promises of Jesus Christ. And that makes a glad father. But a foolish son, and that is an unbeliever, is a sorrow to his mother. That really means brings grief to his mother. Now, why is there that distinction? Because a wise son who believes in Jesus Christ through faith, really understands how important the family is and appreciates the parents because they are bringing him up in the nurturing admonition of the Lord. But a foolish son brings grief to the mother because of his unbelief, not just because He's not smart. He may be very smart. He may have a high IQ, but he's a foolish son because in the previous chapters, the wisdom is the one who follows Jesus Christ and the foolish people are those who follow Satan. That's the difference. And that needs to be understood when you read this first verse because people don't take it the way they should. They think a wise son means somebody with a high IQ and a foolish son is somebody who doesn't get very good grades. No, it has nothing to do with being smart. It has to do with being a believer versus not being a believer. And I'm going to give you the example that 
well, was a reading recently that many people refer to as the parable of the Good Samaritan. When the lawyer asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what is your reading of the law? And the lawyer gave an accurate summary of the law, namely to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, etc. And Jesus responded, you answer correctly, do this and you will live. Now, the lawyer totally misunderstood what Jesus was saying because the lawyer was looking at the law as a means of becoming justified in God's sight. Namely, by obedience to the law, God was saying, boy, you have finally reached the pinnacle where I can love you and even save you because of your good works. That's how the lawyer was looking at the law, as a means of salvation. But if you learned anything listening to law and gospel, you know that you are never saved by obedience to the law because you never obey the law perfectly throughout your life. As the liturgy says, we sin daily by thought, word, and deed. And that's why many Christians are worried as they come near the time of death, are we going to be saved? Because they think they got to get rid of their sin. That's what this lawyer was thinking. And that was the teaching of Judaism, which was a false religion, even at the time of Jesus, because it had turned the words of the gospel into the necessity of obeying the law. They would look at the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, and they had the impression that insofar as you obey them, you would be saved. Now, Jesus says to obey them, but what Jesus is talking about is not to be justified, but that obedience will take place when you are being sanctified. Now, what's the difference? Justification is that moment when God declares you to be righteous in his sight. And he gives a promise in baptism that that takes place then, even for infants. Sanctification is how we respond to God after we have received faith in Jesus Christ. So proper righteousness, this is really important. It flows from an appreciation for God's graciousness. The lawyer in the story of the Good Samaritan did not appreciate Jesus being his savior. He had come to trick him and therefore he was not a wise son because he did not have proper faith. He had no faith. He was instead a foolish son, an unbeliever, thinking that he could save himself. He thought he was self-righteous. So 
Solomon begins chapter 10 in making that distinction between a believer and an unbeliever. An unbeliever may know the Bible in the sense of having memorized many Bible verses, but they do not understand the distinction between law and gospel. They keep thinking, I'm good enough to be saved when they are not. And the mother who recognizes that, who brought the child into the world through birth, she is therefore disheartened and in grief. Now, the point that Solomon is making is when you have wise people in the family, a wise father, a wise mother, and wise son, a wise daughter, you have what's called a godly communion. And it is a wonderful gift for the entire family. Verse 2, chapter 10. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. Now, that really needs to be explained. Because how many times do we hear of people who are making a lot of money becoming very profitable? You've got some really big organizations. And recently, one of them, the husband had a wife who gave a huge amount of money for an abortion clinic. Now, they gained a lot of profit from their business, but it was done by wickedness because they're not believers. Not, not if you're giving money to an abortion clinic. And so what does that mean? Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. You have to read the next statement. Remember, it's scripture interpreting scripture that helps us to understand what is being said. So I read the first part of verse 2. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. And yet we see a lot of wicked people profiting from their business. But listen to the second part. But righteousness delivers from death. Now, you see what Solomon is saying? There is no profit if you are not delivered from death. You may have a prophet here on earth, but you can't take it with you. In fact, uh, the reading that we're going to be taking uh, a look at, uh, Jesus talks about an individual who, well, he's not very happy because he makes a bunch of profit, but he's not happy because he knows when he dies, it's going to be going to somebody who hasn't worked for this prophet, maybe a family member in the will, and it could be a foolish son. So he's unhappy with making all this profit because he knows it's going to go for an improper reason. But righteousness 
delivers from death. So we need to understand when Solomon is writing Proverbs that when he talks about life, he's really talking about also eternal life. And therefore, treasures gained by unbelievers, they are not profitable for their life on Judgment Day. But what is profitable is righteousness delivers from death. Now, the important point that's being made here is how do you become righteous in God's sight? He declares you righteous. How did he make you righteous? By his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, paying for all of your sins, and therefore you were forgiven your sins. You are not held responsible for your sins. Jesus is held responsible for your sins, and that's why he dies on the cross. And then from the cross, he asks the Father to forgive you, for you really don't know what you're doing. Yeah, a lot of times when you sin, you are like a foolish person. You really are not recognizing that you're breaking the first commandment, namely, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And therefore, every sin is an act of idolatry. So, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. On judgment day, they will not be profitable for you if you are wicked and an unbeliever. But righteousness which is the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, delivers from death. Verse 3, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Now, once more, you got a problem here because particularly overseas, Christians who are being persecuted often end up going hungry. So what does that mean, that the righteous will not be let to go hungry? Well, you have to understand that the righteous do have a certain manna from God that God had given to Israel. And what is that manna? It is what you receive in the Holy Sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. So yes, Christians here on earth may be so persecuted that they die of hunger, but really the righteous will not go hungry when you think of Judgment Day, they will be going to the feast that God has prepared for all those who are in heaven with him. But the last part of verse 3, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Another way of translating that is he frustrates the desires of the wicked. Now, there are a lot of 
people who become very, very rich. But then you hear that maybe they gave a plane to their son and he was flying it, he crashed and he died. Well, the rich person says, I would be willing to take his place in that death because they are so sad that their son died. It doesn't really matter how much money you have, but the craving of the wicked, the desires of the wicked are frustrated by God. Verse 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, what are they talking about here? A better translation than a slack hand is a lazy hand. What we're talking about, the agriculture of the day, where a father may have a son, but he's lazy. And, and therefore, he may not work on the farm in gathering the fruits or the harvest. And therefore, that causes poverty in the family. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. And what does the word diligent mean? It means a hard worker. That person is going to be a delight to the father. But the slack hand of the son causes poverty and is a sorrow to the mother. In other words, what we're talking about with slack hand or lazy hand are those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, they are lazy when it comes to the announcing of the gospel to many others. But the hand of the hard worker, that makes rich. And so it's just not talking about agriculture. It's talking about an attitude on the part of the unbeliever versus the attitude on the part of the believer. It's very important in Proverbs to understand this big distinction between the wise and the foolish. And when you understand that, it's really talking about the believer and the unbeliever. And it's also talking about the future, especially Judgment Day. You begin to understand better what the text is saying. So we then go to the last verse. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now that reminds you of a parable Jesus said. He had two sons, this man. He told the one son, well, go and do this, and the son refused to do it. Then he told his other son to do it, and the son says, okay, I will do it. But then what happened was the son who refused to do it ended up doing what the father asked, and the one who promised that he would do it did not do it. And this is what's talking about, that he who gathers in summer 
is a prudent man, a prudent son. What does prudent mean? That's one of, in my opinion, one of the most important phrases in Proverbs. It refers to a man with insight. And what is that insight? That insight is knowledge about God given to him through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You become to realize really what is important. In contrast to the son who sleeps during the harvest is a son who brings shame. Or it can be translated, is a disgraceful son. Remember the word grace? He doesn't give what he should be giving, and he therefore brings shame. Now, this is not just a teaching of the book of Proverbs, but in Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, we read this. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This is really a good summary of Proverbs chapter 10, 1 to 5. And in our next lesson on Proverbs, although this part was talking about what is proper righteousness and the results of such righteousness, we're going to be taking a look at Solomon's speaking about the use of the mouth. And that has a lot to say to every one of us. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel. This is Proverbs 10, 1 to 5. And on tomorrow, we will be talking again about a subject that will be of interest to you from a Law and Gospel perspective at 9.30. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.